Welcome to the study of God's Word, recorded live from Calvary Chapel in Aurora, Colorado. To learn more about the many resources available through Abounding Grace Media, visit us online at calvaryaurora.org or download our free app on all platforms. And now, let's open our Bibles and study God's Word. Amen. So, Pastor Ian and Katie, how long have you guys been married? Yeah. Uh, nine, it'll be nine years this year. Nine years nine this years, year. Yeah. Praise God for that. And how did you meet? Was it one of those I saw each other on the other end of the sanctuary? She saw me from the other side <laughs> of the sanctuary. Uh, no, we met here. We met here at the Young Adults Ministry. Yes. And uh, became friends, served together for, for at least a year. And then she, uh, Katie moved to Thailand. Um, for three years and was a missionary there. And we just stayed in touch and stayed really close friends. And, and the Lord blossomed something beautiful. <laughs> yes. <laughs> from, your, from your perspective, is there anything you missed? No, no, no. That, that pretty much sums it up. So basically nine years of wedding bliss, marital bliss. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> Yep, it's been perfect. So, uh, well, that's good to know, because yeah. Marie and I really need some counsel. <laughs> now, before, you know, in the courtship time, in the premarital time, in the time you guys were, were sort of dreaming and thinking of the future, uh, was children and a large family or a family a part of those discussions? Did you guys have to agree on? First of all, did you have any disagreements that you needed to meet in the middle on when it came to... Yeah, family and what your family might look like in the future. Not, not really. No. Not no. really disagreement. So I, I think when, before, <laughs> when Katie and I started dating, uh, she, was still, she was still living in Thailand and I was living here. And so we had a lot of time to just talk <clears throat> and share our hearts with one another, share what our dreams are. And one of the things that really came up um, that was really important to me was I just really uh, sensed that God was calling me as a, as a future husband and a future dad to adoption. And so adoption was always on my heart. And, um, and so it's something that I shared with, with Katie when we were dating. And it was, for me, it was a deal breaker. Like if, if, uh, if Katie didn't have a heart to adopt, I don't know if we would have been able to get married because it was, it was something that was really heavy on my heart. Um, I felt really called to do that. And I, I believe it was the same for Katie. Yeah, for me, um, I remember being fairly young, either middle school or high school, when I um, decided that I, I, I didn't know if marriage or if I would have biological children, but I knew I would adopt. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just kind of carried that with me. Um, and it was a deal breaker for me, too. And I mean, at tw- we started dating when I was 29. So yeah. at 29, I was, wasn't certain I was ever going to get married, but I knew... Adoption was not a question of if, it was just when to move on it. Right. And so we both kind of just carried that into the marriage, that it wasn't a, if we would, it was just a matter of what the Lord's timing was for it. Right. You know, the Bible says in James chapter 1, verse 26, it says, if you claim to be religious, but don't control your tongue, you're just fooling yourself, and your religion is worthless 
pure and lasting religion in the sight of God our Father means that we must care for orphans and widows in their troubles and refuse to let the world corrupt us. It's interesting how God puts together uh, caring for those that are unable to care for themselves. The category of widow, uh, the category of orphan, a father, motherless child. But he also, he, in his scriptures, he puts it between two things that we really don't disagree with too much, don't even call into question. Uh, one is to control your tongue. I, I think that it's a pretty clear teaching all throughout the Bible, but even if we just had James, the book of James, that as a believer in Jesus Christ, you're born again, that your language is going to change, especially if it needs to change. And so nobody really, hey, if something comes out of your mouth, you, you know, you say, hey, hey, watch your mouth and be careful with your language. And then the other one, uh, not allowing the world to corrupt us and just that distinction of a believer in the world. If I laid out those three things on a piece of paper and asked you to, um, to hey, what, which ones do you really think are from the Lord? I would think that if we had a box of three things, everybody would check the box and they'd turn it in. We believe you should, take, you should control your tongue as a believer. We believe we should be careful to be unspotted from the world. And we believe we should care for widows and orphans. However, the actions of the church tend to emphasize two of them and not one of them. The actions of a believer, maybe the tongue and the world, yeah, we, get, we hear a lot about that, but when it comes to caring for widows of which we have, and this isn't the, uh, the institutional church, you know, that Calvary should take care of the widows. We're the church, so we have an obligation to care for widows that are in need, and we have some in our church, some recent, and also to care for orphans, uh, that kids that are in need. And, and I wonder where you are when you think that through. Not necessarily writing yourself off. You may not be as far as Pastor Ian and Katie were to, to have a deal breaker in this area, but I wonder how much you've emphasized in your religious expression. We use the word religion kind of a negatively here. It's not a negative statement in James. It's just speaking of, of what it looks like to really follow God. You know, what it really looks like to follow God is to care for widows and orphans. And, and so perhaps it wasn't a deal breaker in, in your marriage, but where... Where are your thoughts when it comes to, uh, to adoption and the foster care system? Do, do you know I learned something uh, during talk, talking with Ian and Katie that I didn't know anything, I didn't know existed. Um, in the state of Colorado, there is a website that lists children that, that has a list of children that are ready. It's called coheartgallery.org that has kids in the Colorado currently in the foster care system awaiting their forever family, but there's a subset of those kids, or is it the whole list, the whole list. that they are ready instantly be. ready to be adopted. Yeah, they are. And I didn't, know, I didn't know a list like that existed. And it just spoke to me as this door is opened up for us to discuss it, that there is a, a, a great need in our own state for the love of Jesus Christ to be exhibited and to be expressed in this particular area. And so where, where we start is on your personal journey. We learn a little bit about um, your marriage, how you met, even this being a, 
a deal breaker and we know that you're parents of two phenomenal boys and so on what part of the journey would you like to launch us off on? Yeah, so first, uh, I'm not sure if everybody knows um, who we really are. I, I think you see me on stage leading worship um, and so this is my wife, Katie. And, um, and we have some pictures, so um, if you can put those up. So that, that's our family. Uh, to my left is Andrew. He's our oldest. And uh, yeah, he's going to be 18 in a, in a month or so. And then in the middle of Katie and I is Ezra. And he is 15 months old. And so... Um, yeah, you want to show that? So there's Ezra, <laughs> um, which, you know, um, just thinking about uh, adoption and then this weekend was a, a, a big deal for us. Um, we, got, we got to um, dedicate Ezra finally. And, uh, you know, I, I just kept thinking through while, while I was leading worship. I just kept getting super emotional during worship and just thinking about how that was really one of the last pieces to Ezra's adoption that we were really anticipating and hoping for was to be able to dedicate him and, um, and have our church be in um, agreement with us to um, dedicate him to the Lord. Um, we, again, we, we had a desire individually to adopt. And so um, it, it was this fact of it wasn't if we were gonna adopt, it was when. And so, Going into our marriage, we, we knew that we were just gonna, we were waiting on the Lord to tell us to adopt or to give us uh, a biological kid. Um, and we both knew that even if God would give us a biological kid, we were called to adopt. And so that's what we had prayed for. And it, um, I, think within the, I think within the first two years is really when the Lord started stirring our hearts to really pursue adoption. And, um, and so it was something that we talked about and prayed through and um, we found out about an organization called Project 127, um, which is on the um, adoption resources list that we, we handed out. Um, and we found out that they had training to, to foster to adopt. And so we didn't know if we were gonna foster to adopt, if we were going to uh, private, do a private adoption and we just knew that it was something that we needed to start walking towards and so we did all this we we started our training and um and that was it was about a year of training right it's not, it's not supposed to take a year but yes it took us a year <laughs> so it took us it took us a year and and within that year the lord really started to stir um within our hearts and give us more direction on what we should specifically be praying about and, um, and so as we were doing these trainings, we actually got on, on that website that you had talked about and, <clears throat> and just started looking through and really praying about like, we see such a big need and what is it that we can do? And that's really what it comes down to. Like, I think if you ask Katie and I, you know, what's the secret? <laughs> To, um, to adopting or what is a secret to, you know, being, some, being a, a, an adoptive parent. And, and it's, there's not really a secret. It's just about being obedient to God's calling in your life. And, um, 
for us, you know, we, we're, not, we're not special. You know, we're not any, any more special than any other parent. We, we just are called to um, parent these kids that don't have the opportunity to be with their biological parents. And so we, we, we uh, went through this website and we, we kind of both locked in onto this one kid that we started really praying about um, uh, adopting, fostering to adopt. And as we were praying, we just really felt like the Lord was telling us, no, that's not your kid. And it was a little heartbreaking because we, we, we felt like we had a, a face to really pray about. And, and so the Lord started leading us to just pray specifically about a 12-year-old boy. And um, we both really felt like uh, the, the child that we were going to adopt was already alive when we were praying about it. And um, I was... I was... I don't know, 29 at the time, I think. And so I'm praying about adopting a 12-year-old boy, and I felt, I felt crazy. I'm like, why am I, why, what are we doing, Lord? Like, how, what, what am I going to do with a 12-year-old? Like, this is crazy. And, um, and so we just prayed for about a year, specifically about adopting a 12-year-old boy. And do you want to finish the story? No, part of it, too, is that independently, you both had a word about 12-year-old boys. Yeah, and we, so we had a group of people that were, because um, we, uh, one great thing that Project 127 did was they encouraged us to build a, a support system before we even got to the point where we were certified. And so we had a group of people that were praying for us and praying with us, and as we're all praying independently, we're, somebody's always, you know, always referring to our child as a boy. And then um, all, everybody keeps coming back with like, I think your child's already here. Like, I think they're, they're here. Mm-hmm. You're not waiting for a child to be born. They're here. And um, it just over time, we all were like, yeah, like we're praying for a 12-year-old boy and we're crazy and we could be wrong, right. but we're going to step out on faith and say that we're praying for a 12-year-old boy because if this pans out and the Lord shows up with a 12-year-old boy, like that's a pretty amazing thing. Now, in the process of that, uh, having that, that one consideration on the website and having a face and being pretty confident about that and then sensing as the Lord closed that down for you, were you was there a feeling of hesitancy to really lock into 12 years old? Were, were you, was there a hesitancy to... Because, you, you know, as we hear the story, it, it almost sounds smooth. And it's just smooth. Yeah, you know, the Lord closed the door here and opened the door there. It may have been smooth, but was it? Was there some rockiness of I don't know if I even want to trust for twelve years old? Or mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, we started uh, we started our training to foster to get certified to foster adopt to adopt, and we saw all these other families and couples get done in like three months, and so it was really discouraging that it would take us a year to 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 finish that training. Right. Um, and yeah, and, and it was, it was, if, if it was coming back to a place where this isn't about my emotions, this isn't about what I see, it's about what God's told us and what we're called to do. And, um, and I'm sure you, you guys, as, as you live a life of faith, you've come to this place of, am I really going to trust that God is who he says he is? And he's actually meaning what he says he means. And so we, we had a lot of um, times where we just cried. Mm-hmm. We had times of 
um, I was doing good and maybe Katie wasn't doing so great. So, you know, I, I was able to encourage her and there were times where I wasn't feeling too great and Katie was in a place of, of, of great strength and so she would encourage me and, and uh, it was a year process of just this back and forth of like, is, are we just crazy? Is this really what the Lord wants to do? Is it, you know, I think I can say um, very openly that I think we both were in a place where even towards the end of that year, we felt like we're just, this isn't for us. Like this is, this isn't yeah. going to happen. Yeah. Like it's just, I, I was really feeling like this is just never going to happen. And on good days, he'd be like, oh no, it'll happen. When it's the Lord's timing, it just happens. And I'm like, no, no, that's not. The Lord doesn't just like drop kids in your lap. That's not how this happens. Right. Um, and then um, on a Wednesday morning, I was uh, working at the academy here at Calvary and Ian was here um, and he had staff meeting and I was doing something and we both were told independently that morning about a child that was in the academy um, who had um, a very ill mother and she had called and asked um, sorry she had called and asked the principal of the school to help her find um, a new home for her son um, and specifically a home with a godly father, because he'd never had a father in his life. And, <clears throat> sorry, and I just remember, I mean, I wasn't there when he was told, but when I was told, um, I just, it was almost like my life flashed in front of my eyes, um, and all these things that I had taken so long, and all the struggles and everything just kind of suddenly just made sense. And um, I don't know how long I stood there staring, at the lovely lady that told me, um, but uh, it felt like forever. And then I just asked her, how old is he? And she said, he's 12. And uh, that was it. Yeah. You know, we, we, and we met up and we looked at each other and we didn't pray about it. We didn't talk about it. We didn't have to deliberate. We, 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 we looked at each other and we cried <laughs> and in the art room and, and we just knew like this is this whole year, this is what this whole year was. Yeah. It was preparing us to just be ready um, when the need was there. Yeah. And then um, it was just a few days before he started living with us um, part time. He would kind of stay with us Mm -hmm. during the week so we could make sure he got to school and got fed and then on the weekend if she was doing well and at home um, she would go he would go spend time with her um, and the prognosis from the doctors was not good and um, it, it was just a really um, bizarre time because we we knew he was our son we knew God had been preparing us for this and we were praying with every ounce of our being that he would not have to become our son. That was a real battle um, because of his mom, Ruthann. And to this day, I mean, we were just talking about it the other day that there's this, um, Deneen helped me put a word to it today, duality of um, being so incredibly grateful that he's my son yeah. and being so um, heartbroken of what it took to get him to be my son. And so. And that's Andrew? Yes. And that's Andrew, yeah. He's our, he's our soon to be 18 year old. I mean, he grew up so, it's hard to believe yeah. uh, that that time has passed so quickly with him. 
it's not when I look in the mirror, it's not hard to believe because I, <laughs> I see a lot more gray hair yes, and yes. less hair and yeah. and uh, but it, it was it's it was an amazing, you know, where, where that's where the Bible came to life to, to me where, it, where it's that passage where it says, you know, hope deferred makes the heart sick. Yeah. Um, but it becomes a wellspring of life. Yes. And we felt for a year as we were praying that there was a sickness and we were ready. Mm-hmm. We were ready for the Lord to just bring it to pass. Yes. And, um, and even though it was difficult to, to walk through that difficult season with Andrew, you know, pray, praying uh, with faith that he would heal, um, bring healing to his mom, um, you know, we, we, we also had a, a, there was a, there was a joy to know that we were called to be a part of this, this young man's life, um, for whatever season that was going to be. Yeah. It's more, it's sometimes I think adoption is viewed as the adopting parents are like the heroes and they're coming in to rescue. Can you speak to that? Have you heard that thought like where, you know, the, you're, just. Yeah, I think, you know, one of the things that the Lord has made me really familiar with is, um, is that he's a man of sorrows acquainted with grief. Mm. And just that, that idea that we, we tend to look at, um, we tend to look at Jesus as being this, this conquering hero, which he is. Yeah. And yet he was stricken with grief and he was acquainted with our sorrows. And you know, anytime we're, we're very aware that anytime that we get to celebrate um, a joyous occasion with Andrew, it's always mingled with sadness and yes. difficulty um, because um, celebrating, celebrating, like celebrating that he's turning 18 means that there's someone that's not there that doesn't get to celebrate with him. And, and just knowing that, th- that both of those things are married together, um, and and I think just to speak to that too, it's it's true of our lives. When you think about Jesus and him becoming this man of sorrows acquainted with grief, we get the we get to rejoice in the relationship we we have with Jesus. But when we think about the freedom and the life that we have with Jesus and the joy that we have in Him, we're also reminded that it there was a high price that was paid, and so great love also reminds us that there's also this great sacrifice. Um, and, can, and I also, too, I just want to, like, um, I am so fearful and anxious and insecure, and I'm not a hero. <laughs> I'm actually probably the least likely candidate to um, be, be mom to a child who has two other moms. Yes. Um, but God calls us to step out in faith and follow him and he equips us and that's not being a hero that's just being a servant of God that follows their calling and um, I also I think for me that that kind of um, way that we as a culture tend to view adoption really um, hurts my heart when I hear people say things like um, my kids are so lucky Um, and it's, it's set out of love and it's not sent with you know said with any cruel intentions of anything but um to to them they see a child in our home right when when that said to me i see all the loss that had to come before to get them to my home 
And so, um, you know, in, in many ways my kids are lucky because kids that have parents are really lucky. <laughs> um, but they, my kids are, are also just kids. Yeah, we were talking about that. You know, I don't know at what age uh, in your walk with the Lord that you begin to understand that so much of life is actually bittersweet, where there is a sweetness in, the, in, the, the, in, this, in this context. There's a sweetness in adoption. There's a sweetness in a foster child having a home and having a roof, and, and yet there's always a backstory behind that, there, and the pathway of pain or the pathway of the parents of what brought them to a place of making a decision. It's, it's not always uh, a discussion before marriage uh, that you have where that happens to be a deal breaker. And, um, you know, I, I think in uh, my own life, I can resonate with some of this as well, being adopted myself, um, but I really only have a piece of paper uh, that they gave me of some brief descriptions uh, of my biological parents, and, and then everything's sealed, uh, and it's just completely sealed. And, and so there's always been a bittersweetness to that of anybody involved, but at the same time, a joy of my parents, you know, who raised me and um, I appreciate them. I, I mean, if you think it, if you look back on the life of, 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 of your life and you see where you've arrived, God has used everything along the way. And, and I think bittersweetness, you know, a lot of the feelings where it's an, there's an awkwardness to sort of, sort of like with grief where not, not everyone's so familiar on how to handle it. And so they're grasping for words to say, to encourage, not really even realizing that those words are hurtful. So we'll get back to that at the end um, because do we want to move forward with Ezra or because I think, I think that um, that's, a phenomenal, that's a phenomenal story. Um, you know, the, the story of, she mentioned that to clarify uh, with Andrew, um, with two mothers, the Ruth Ann adopted Ezra, or Andrew. Andrew from Guatemala. Guatemala. Sorry if I just gave a big secret away. He You're Guatemalan, Andrew. You're Guatemalan. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, whoa, that was in my notes. <laughs> yeah, no, so, so Andrew, Andrew, this is his second adoption. So Andrew was adopted by Ruth Ann as a single woman um, and was able to love him um, from about a couple months old to till he was 12 and, yeah. and she loved him well and she loved him well and took care of him and and then gave us the privilege uh, she was the she was the first person to call us mom and dad um, and that is incredible yeah i mean we um we did a lot of house visits in those last uh, days of ruthann last weeks uh, you guys were there far more than than i was but it was a very uh, without the without the adoption process being a part of it, it was a very difficult season. Um, it was very hard, and it, Ruth Ann um, was was a woman that loved God. And as I think back at some, uh, uh, I think back on the adoption process, uh, brought Andrew to a place of being adopted, even one more time, by his father in heaven, which is you know the narrative of adoption is not just a human invention. Yeah. God literally uses that picture to equate our relationship with him, yeah. which is just fascinating altogether. And so we, we have Andrew in the home for how many years before the, the stirring, four. Four. was it four? Yeah, so well, before the stirring was like 
probably three years. And um, we, we didn't really mention this before. We mentioned how we got to adoption, but there's like countless paths yes. to get you to the place where your heart's ready to adopt. Um, there's a, so many different ways to adopt. Um, and but as so, you would say, the most common, if someone's thinking of this, of adopting, one of the most common reasons that that goes to the service would be what? What do you infertility? And and that's part of it, but that's not exclusive. That's yeah. not an exclusive reason. Yeah, and and there's not like a right. I mean, I'm sure there are wrong reasons to get there, sure. but like that's not a wrong reason to get there. Right. Um, there's lots of right reasons to get there. Um, and so, about after Andrew's been in the home, well, f for me it was like a week, but realistically two or three years um, we started to feel that stirring again and wanting to grow our family and um, we just knew there were more kids out there that were supposed to be part of our home and so we met with people who worked or had connections with international adoption agencies and we pursued one you know we went a bunch of different directions and nothing ever seemed to work out we weren't ever on the same page um, with what to do, um, and then um, while, while infertility and loss ha weren't what drove us to adoption, they are a part of our story. Yes. And um, we um, had a miscarriage um, in just about this time a year, two years ago, and um, weren't really expecting to get pregnant, and so it kind of shook our world a little bit. Um, and went through grief and, and I spent many months feeling personally like I just was in like a fog um, and wasn't really fully engaging with the world around me at the level I should be. And um, then in December, I actually had a friend that mentioned something after, like there was this day that I remember so clearly that I felt like I kind of had like popped my head up out of the fog finally mm -hmm. and um, kind of felt like me again. And she, she mentioned later that, hey, I think you're, you know, I don't remember how she said it, but basically you're back. And, um, and so um, we start talking, okay, well then, um, what, what do we do? I think we need to start pursuing getting a home study. I think we need to just be ready because we still don't have clarity on how, how we're supposed to pursue. We don't know where this next kid's coming from. We don't have any direction, but we both felt like we were supposed to get our home study run, done and basically have ourselves in a position where we were, we were ready mm -hmm. for the next kid. So this was, that was a Friday night that we started talking about this in December. And, um, and then Saturday night we came to church. I was already here. Mm -hmm. And Katie gets a phone call and is informed that there is, um, there is a young woman who is eight months pregnant and has heard that we have a heart for adoption and would like to meet with us about possibly adopting her baby. And so, uh, so within a day, <laughs> within a day of just really being, okay, God, we're, I think we're ready, we're open, um, you tell us what to do. Um, another kid possibly is now ending up in our laps. Um, and it, it was pretty crazy because it, 
So the, the conversation didn't happen on a phone call. The phone call was to meet here. And so we sat in the back, and it was one of my former students. And she tells me um, what's going on. And I'm like, OK, OK, we're doing this. And then Ian walked by, and I was like, oh, wait, babe, come here. You need to hear this. You, you actually should be a part of this decision. <laughs> Which is usually the case, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Yes. And then um, after service, we went up to talk to Ed about it, and we tell him what the situation is, and he goes, okay, well, I'm gonna pray for direction for you guys. And we're like, no, no, we don't need direction. We, we need provision, we need <laughs> wisdom, we need lots of things, but we, we know how we're supposed to move and operate. Which to me point. is amazing because in, before it was up and down and you, know, you, you had a desire and then, then that was closed and then this is happening and then it was, it was, there was a season of time and you're praying, no, um, God heal Ruthann and wrestling with all the emotions and then by the time here, in an instant, God can work in just an instant, all these things. I mean, this is, we don't have enough time to give all the details of just how radical this was a decision and how quick you guys were ready to make yeah, it. Yeah, so we, we were told eight months and then a couple days later, it wasn't eight months, it was five days. <laughs> and, then, um, and then we, didn't, we still didn't know if this, if this young lady was gonna change her mind. Right. And so she was, you know, we found out on a Saturday, she was due that following Sunday. We met her the Saturday before, so December 16th. Um, and he was born on December 17th. Mm. And, uh, and we went to the hospital that night and were treated like his birth parents. So we, he stayed with us in the hospital. We stayed at the hospital and we've had him since. Yes. Yeah. Amazing. And, <clears throat> I, I feel like it's really important too that um, we just make note of the fact that we didn't do any of this alone that right. because we have always been really open about our life and we've really shared our life with the people around us and that we have um, people that we have shared this desire to adopt with and we you know we so when we got that phone call and met with her we just we, I mean, we, we didn't like announce it from the rooftops or anything, but we told our family, we told our close friends, and we just had this amazing group of people that rallied around us and were like, okay, great, what do you need? I got, I got diapers, I've, I'm showing up with a crib. I'm, I mean, like literally, we just had this army of people that um, came to our rescue and really allowed us to, to be in a position to say yes. And I share, like, it was a really quick, you know, within a week he was with us but even within that week there were there were battles in our minds of this may not happen so do we go buy a crib do we go buy a car seat do we buy all these things and really just settling in our hearts having that resolve in our hearts that God is the one that placed us in this kid's life and so whether he comes home with us or not this kid deserves to be loved and so we just decided that we're gonna buy these things and if she decides to, to, to keep this baby, uh, we're just gonna give her these things as unto the Lord and, and just know that we were called to be a part of this kid's life um, for whatever season, whether it's years or, or moments, 
and, um, and something that uh, Katie's mom shared with us before we, uh, before we ever adopted Andrew, and it resonates still uh, with me, is that there's, there's, whether it's a biological kid or an adopted kid, there's nothing guaranteed. There's no guarantee whether this kid is going to, you know, love you or not love you, be healthy, not, because I remember, I'm, I'm my parents' biological kid, and I was rotten, you know, I was a rotten kid yeah. to my parents, and, and just really thinking through, like, you know, there, there's something about just having this desire to just love, regardless of what I'm going to get in return. And I, th I think that, too, on the pathway of, uh, with, with Ezra, it's probably similar to a foster-to-adopt type pathway where foster families don't always get to keep the children, right? This, the court systems get involved, and um, I think that because we're running out of time, you may come to the conclusion that, uh, as we're sharing in 45 minutes, that it's smooth, it was a smooth path all the way through with a little bit of bumps. Uh, but but no one adoption path is the same, and you guys are an example of that with two very divergent pathways that led to two very uh, wonderful boys and one young man now. And, and so as we, as we close, what do you think from the broader sense are some of the obstacles that people face to adoption? Like what? Why aren't there more people adopting from, from a general perspective of someone that, that's adopted? Fear. What do they fear, do you think? Um, I, I think that um, a lot of very reasonable things to fear. Um, that adoption is definitely something you can't just like jump headfirst in. Um, we counted the cost way before we ever got the call. Right. Um, and we had checked our hearts and we'd searched ourselves and we've, we had... We, we knew why we wanted to adopt, and it wasn't so that someone would love us. It wasn't so that we got to name a child or put them in frilly clothes. It was something deeper than that. Like, we, we knew that God was calling us to adopt because we want to be parents to kids who don't have parents. And whether that's for their life or whether that's temporary, that, that, that's what we feel this really strong burden for. And so... Um, I think that it's a scary thing to look at your own heart and be really honest with yourself why it is you want a kid. Yes. I think also it's a really hard thing when it's tied in with infertility and loss because there's a lot of grief and a lot of pain there as well. Um, I think that when you consider adoption and especially adopting an older kid or a kid who has been in the foster care system or a child with disabilities um, that there are some that, like they've experienced trauma and there are really very real things that you need to know and be aware of and be prepared for so that you can love them and equip them yeah. in this world and so I don't encourage anyone to just blindly rush out of here and sign up to adopt. Like, you need to, to search it out. But I think all those things cause fear. I think the cost causes a lot of fear for a lot of people. Um, if you have other children or biological children in the home, I think that can cause a lot of fear. How is this going to affect my kids? Yeah. Um, but to us, um, that we, we really believe that if the Lord calls us to foster in the future, um, to adopt 
however he desires us to adopt again, that he's calling us as an, a family and we have to trust that he's gonna equip us and prepare us, but he's also gonna equip and prepare our children. Yeah. And he's gonna use, he, there's a reason he's calling us to it as a family. Did you face any obstacles along the way? think so yeah yeah i mean i mean just even just just that there's you know the the mental battle of can i really love this kid mm -hmm. like how do i how do i know that like how can i just you know i think it, I'm, I'm i don't have a biological kid so i don't know what it looks like to have a biological kid but there's i would imagine there's some natural instinct that would draw us to love this kid and and i think the battle was and can i you know can i love this kid with, with andrew it was you know it was this i i haven't had a chance to bond with this kid for 12 years right. and now i'm supposed to be his dad and how is that gonna look right you know how, is he gonna respect me is he gonna like me you know and um and, and so i think those are some of the battles that you know, that can really hinder us of, you know, is, am I going to be able to, to love this kid even though this kid doesn't love me back? And, and just really battling through that. And, and um, I'll tell you, every time, every time I look at Andrew, I look at Ezra, or any time I visit um, that website with these kids that are ready to be uh, adopted, uh, it just, like, I look at Andrew and I see the gospel. Because that's who Jesus is to us. Like, he, cho he chose a sacrificed life yeah. in spite of knowing that we could choose not to love him. And, I mean, that's, that's what the gospel is. It's just this sacrificial love in spite of not knowing if you're going to get anything in return. Wow. And um, just really thinking through, uh, you know, Ephesians uh, I just want to read this real quick. Ephesians chapter 1 says this. Um, Having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound toward us all in wisdom and prudence. And, and so I just think, when I, when I think about adoption, I, that, that's just what the gospel is. We, we, we don't deserve uh, the love that was poured out for us, and yet Jesus chose to, in spite of knowing we would have the choice to love him back or not. It's a powerful picture. So any final words? Any thoughts? Pray about adopting. Yeah. If you're not called to adopt, figure out ways you can support those who are. And we are always available to talk. Did, so. did God provide uh, all of the resources you needed financially to adopt? Every time. Was it a huge, can you say, would you be comfortable saying how much? Is it a huge, um, was it, you don't have to say the number if you're not comfortable, <laughs> but like a huge mountain, a little mountain. And huge. Huge mountain. It, it was a big mountain. A big mountain. Okay. To me, it was huge. Did it, <laughs> did, it, did it create any doubts at all that, or did it intensify your prayers? Like it's, you know, because money really can 
overwhelm people. Both times the boys came to us before we got to the point where we were figuring out the money thing. So it just kind of was like, okay, you gave us a kid. I guess you've got to figure out how we're going to pay for this adoption. Yes. Yeah. And, and so it's, it's for me, I, for us, it's just been faith building. Yeah. Are you going to, tr- like, this is what I've called you to? Are you going to trust what I'm calling you to? You know, I'm, are you going to trust that I'm going to provide for your every need? Right, because it's not just the adoption, although that's a large figure, but it's life. Yeah. It's, it's, it's yeah. life all the way, all the way. Yeah, yeah and, and if I could, I know we're kind of running out of time, just encourage, uh, encourage us um, as, as, a ch- as a church, but also the church. You know, it, it's good to want to be involved and get to know um, and encourage um, maybe adopted kids that you, you see. And so I, I would just want to encourage you guys to, because um, some of the things that we've heard that could discourage us or even discourage our boys, you know, um, like, you know, we've, we've heard a couple times, you know, um, you know, Andrew's so lucky that you would, you know, that you would adopt him. And, and just to really think through that again, like he's not lucky that he's not with his biological mom. He's not lucky that his adopted mom passed away. Um, um, it was in God's plan. And so I think a good way to, to encourage someone who is adopted is to just say, isn't it amazing how God would work these things out yeah. so that, that you would be provided for? Because um, it's, you know, he's, he's not, if, I'm sure if, if Andrew could tell you today, uh, he, would have, he would choose his biological mom because that would have been what he knew. Um, yeah. Another thing, you know, to... Um, when you meet adopted, adoptive families, um, to encourage you not to say, you know, um, well, this, you know, when you, when you address siblings, they're not adoptive siblings. They're just siblings. And, and just to really encourage that, that they're just a family. Um, they're, not, they're not a greater family because they had adopted kids. They're not a, less of a family because they had adopted kids. They're just a, a family, and I appreciate what Deneen said. You know, that's God's heart. God, God ordained and created families to be what they are, and so for these kids to be able to say, this is my brother, um, even though they don't have any sort of real bloodline to each other, right. is an amazing thing. Because, I mean, you look, if you look in the room, we're siblings, whether we like it or not. Yeah. And uh, we have no, the bloodline that we have is the blood of Jesus Christ. Right. Yeah. So that's good. And are you done? Yeah. Oh, I just was gonna say too that like that you um, are welcome to ask us if we would like someday to have biological children, mm-hmm. um, but but um, steer clear of asking us if we're going to have our own children someday. Cause or, or real kids. Or real, real kids. right? The word real was. Because um, we, I have two real kids of my own. Oh, they're real, right? They are very real. Yes, they are. <laughs> yes, they are. So it's just things to consider, especially for us as, as believers. We want, we want to encourage. We want to be involved in any way we can. And, and sometimes our words can come out very wrong. Yeah. We have the right intention, but our words can come out very wrong. And it's just something to encourage you, you all as, as hopefully more adoptive families um, become a part of this church. 
And Foster. And Foster. Yes. Well, what'd you guys think? It's pretty good, huh? So we're, we're grateful. Uh, let's all stand together and we'll lay hands on, on Ian and Katie like this in representative of, of families, moms and dads that want to adopt even as, uh, they were, even as they were addressed as mom and dad before anything was ever finalized because that was the heart of God. And Ruthann was speaking faith over them and encouragement. So Father, thank you for the bravery and the courage uh, and just the openness to share in their lives uh, with Pastor Ian and Katie tonight. And I know it wasn't done lightly. Uh, and I know, God, that you have honored it and that we have a lot to learn of how to navigate in this world to bring the hope of Jesus Christ to a variety of, of difficult, hard situations. And so for those that are listening, those that are watching, those that are receiving, may you stir up in us exactly how you would have us to, to live in this world. And for those that are called, those that are, have the desire, those that are going to take the next step and sense this uh, desire to enter into the foster system and perhaps even adoption, we pray that you would show favor and direction, that you would give words and insight, that you would close doors that no man can open and open doors that no man can close, that you might give them faith and courage and financial provision. Uh, who knows where it will come from, but it will come so that you might accomplish your will and purposes on the earth. And we thank you for the cooperation of, of Andrew and Ezra, and we pray blessings on them in the life that you've given to them, the calling you've placed upon their life, and all that you want to accomplish uh, in their home and in their family. In Jesus' name, amen. We pray that you've been encouraged by this Bible study delivered live from the sanctuary of Calvary Aurora. For prayer or a copy of this study, call us at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-304-7223. Or visit us online at calvaryaurora.org. Be blessed as you worship Jesus this week.